0: Good morning. Welcome to Journey Church. Hey, my name is Scott. I'm the lead pastor here at Journey Church. Thank you for being with us here on, on Family Sunday. Thank you for, for being a little bit flexible. Hey, thank you for those of you who decided to sit up in the front. This is what we got to do to get people to sit in the front of the church is just take away all the back seats and they'll just have to move up towards the front. So thank you for, for stepping into that. We're excited to be able to to share some time together after service today. And we'd invite you, if you're if you're feeling up to it, to stick around and And eat some food and and meet some people, and um, we're really looking forward to that. Uh, Today, we are going to start a a new series. We're going to get to that in just a minute, but over the last four weeks, if you've been with us or maybe if you haven't, we've been talking a lot about the Sabbath and the the practice of of Sabbath, and we're kind of wrapping up that series, but I want to kind of just maybe give you one more little thought around that, and that would be to continue to lean into and to continue to learn about what it means to and what it looks like to to practice Sabbath. Because there's a reason why we chose to talk about Sabbath first, of of a series of of spiritual practices and informative practices that we'll be looking at over the next two to three years. There's a reason why we started with Sabbath. And that's because it lays this this foundation where we can create a rhythm of encounter with God on on a weekly basis. And if we can help ourselves to do that, then we might have a better chance of creating a rhythm of prayer or creating a rhythm of, of fasting, creating a rhythm of, of silence and, and solitude. And so we we started with the Sabbath. And there's also a reason why we aren't going to just jump right into the next formative practice, which will be prayer. We're going to start that in, in May. And that's because the practices of Jesus, they take practice. And so we're encouraging you to spend the next three months, like, Continuing to incorporate the Sabbath practice into your weekly rhythm. However that ends up looking, giving yourself grace and, and flexibility, experimenting, talking with other people. In fact, our hope is that as you walk through this last four weeks is that you didn't walk that alone. But that you walked with other people in community, in, in life. Maybe people in this church, maybe friends or family that, that are outside the church. It doesn't really matter. We just don't want you to walk that road alone, and this morning, we actually want to just maybe share a little bit about what that looked like for a few people here at at Journey Church, so we've invited two kind of couples, two sets of families to share briefly about, keep in mind briefly, I've got a whole message to preach, so. Uh, to share briefly about their experience, like how they came into it, what maybe they gleaned from it, and, and how it became like a, a formative practice for them. So I want to invite Laura and, and Austin Cole. Oh, and Theo's coming up too. Perfect. The star of the show, really. Uh, to come up and share, and then we'll invite another couple up in just a minute. Let me grab you the microphone.
1: It was not the plan to have him up here, so we'll see how this goes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Apologies in advance. Uh, Okay, so this will be brief, though. We could probably talk for five hours, not five minutes. So, Um, We had a few things we just want to touch base on about how things have gone for us. Uh, We have actually been trying to do it for quite a while, um, (laughs) but really until the whole church started doing it did we actually find some success. So the first thing that came to mind for us for how it's kind of formed us is it shaped our rhythms, our priorities, our intentionalities, and that in order to prioritize the things that we wanted to prioritize, um, it being Sabbath and rest, but also being a good parent to Theo and the like, um, we had to kind of examine what our lives look like on the whole, not just on this one particular day, um, and change how we do our rhythms, our routines, and how we prioritize leisure activities, work schedules, anything along those lines. Um, additionally, uh, like I said, parenting came into play because we ourselves want to be good role models for Theo. And so, as has been shared during this practice, if we want him to do it, we ourselves need to be that example for him. Um, so if we want to raise a passionate Jesus followers, to borrow language from another, we ourselves need to be passionate Jesus followers. Um, So that's the first point. I I guess, uh, speaking more into the intentionality piece, um, it it started with a day, and then it kind of flowed into the rest of the week, because you can't really live one day super intentionally, focusing on, I want to prioritize time with Theo, and then not live the other six days differently. Otherwise, you're kind of bipolar, trying to live two different lives. but it also shaped how we care for one another, how we live out Christ's character in our day to day lives, not just on the one day, but the rest of the week as well. So we'll see how this exchange goes. One second.
2: <laughs> Woohoo, we did it. We didn't drop the kid. Woohoo. Um, otherwise, we found out that community was vital to this um, for Sabbath. And we found that in our small group, um, doing it together has been super, super helpful. Um, like Austin said, we tried to do this alone about a year ago now, um, and just the resistance that we felt. Um, just like nobody else was on board, we kept trying to say, like, no, sorry, we're not going to do yard work or housework. Um, to my family, I'm one of six kids, and the weekends were like, nope, you're doing housework or yard work. That's just how we grew up. Um, and so, for us to say, sorry, we can't help out, my family was like, wait, what? You're not, you're not there. Like, you're not going to help us out. Um, and so weeks and weeks on end, it was like just the pushback. We felt like, okay, nobody's doing this with us. We don't have any help um, until our small group came along and was like, oh, no, we're going to do it with you guys this time. And just knowing that people are in our corner, they're supporting us, they're doing it in their own way, but also like, hey, how's it working for you? How's this week going? Um, sorry, I don't know. I'm getting emotional. Um, but, um, yeah, it's just been so cool to do that with them um, and just pray alongside them, journey alongside them. Um, It's just been really cool to, like, stop, rest, delight, and worship with everybody in our small group and with the rest of you guys, too. Um, We've also found that just being, like, thankful um, in this time um, as we've been a family and just, like, stopping and being like, hey, I've actually really enjoyed this afternoon with you. Um, And I think having that moment to stop and just, like, seeing what the Lord has provided for us in this time has been super helpful, too. Um, And just savoring this time with Theo, I think that was one of the words that really stuck out to Austin and I, Um, just because we'll never have this time again, and just really thanking God for what we do have and what he's provided for us, Um, just because, you know, we're always kind of looking to the future. I think that's just us Americans, like, okay, what's coming next? What can we plan for? Um, And then we kind of just miss out on what's happening in the here and now. Um, you know, you blink once and our kid's walking and we blink again. He's going to start talking here soon. And so it's like, oh, my gosh, we're going to miss what's happening here um, if we don't, you know, take the time to be present and just enjoy what the Lord has given us. Um, and so, yeah. And I think also we've just kind of learned, like, we are going to fail in this, um, and that's okay. We've had weeks where it's been really great. And we're like, okay, we're going to continue that. And then we've also learned, like, well, why did that not go well? Um, and just kind of having, you know, your expectations could be so up here, but kind of bringing them back down and be like, hey, we're, we're a work in progress, and that's A-OK, um, but we're trying to figure it out together, and that's just all we can do is you know, work work at it every week and know that we're trying to be better Christ followers and with prayer in our small group, and you guys, we're, we're able to do it together, so that's kind of what we figured out.
0: Fantastic. Thank you guys for sharing that. Let me also invite uh, Katie and Sean Mitz to come up and and just share a little bit of of their experience
3: as well. Okay. Well, good morning, family. It's good to see you all down here. Um, This feels a little bit more family-like, doesn't it? Yeah, I kind of like this today. Um, So you're going to hear a lot of similarities between um, what Cole said and what we're going to say. Just our kids are just a little bit older. Um, You know, neither one of us, we we both grew up in the church, but neither one of us had Sabbath as sort of a priority in our families either. Um, I'm not even sure, I mean, I've certainly heard of it, but I'm not sure I really could have told you really much about it, or what it was for, or how to do it, or really anything, right? Um, And so about a year and a half ago or so, when we first um, moved to Sherwood, we Um, as we're sort of having a a restart of our family story, moving from California to here and kind of coming back to my homeland, um, we wanted to start to do Sabbath. And so um, similarly, we felt like it was just something that, I don't know, we were kind of alone in that and just kind of striking out it, trying to figure out what that was all about. Um, And I would say that we had sort of fits and starts, right? Um, Some days we would be moderately successful and some days just really not, right? And probably more not than than anything so um, but it was still kind of sticking back in, in our mind and as we've um, kind of gotten settled now and and now as the church is really em- embracing this as something that we do corporately together um, it was time for a reboot for us and that was really really good timing um, we feel like for us um, and so we've been just really um, amazed and just really joyful kind of going into this process just to see what the lord would be doing you know with us so um, we've had to be um, really flexible at figuring out how to, how to do this. Um, again, giving ourselves just a, a good bit of grace in the whole thing. Um, some days we do it on, on Sundays. That's kind of our preference. And some weeks we do it on another night of the week. For us, that's been a Wednesday. It was a night that we already had sort of set aside for family time anyway, right? It was the one night where there wasn't basketball or something, right? Small group and things like that. And so it was kind of an easy shift for us to take a Wednesday night if we needed it and just kind of go the rest of the way into making it kind of a mini Sabbath on a Wednesday evening, right? Um, So uh, kind of the idea there being um, if Sunday didn't work out, you know, something is better than nothing. So Wednesday it is, right? So sometimes we do that. Um, So uh, some of the things that we've just tried to do um, in our family and, and really, gosh, any, really, there's so many options. Um, for us, we've really focused on spending a lot of time with our boys and playing a lot of games. Uh, we'll go for walks. Um, we try to mark our time, um, the beginning, with lighting candles. And, um, and then at the end, we, we kind of formally you know, close it by really bringing our family together and sharing um, about what each of us really appreciated. Um, about sabbath what kind of stuck out to us and what we feel like the the lord was with us in that so um we've enjoyed having uh, other um uh, friends over to share a meal with us and and things like that as well so um it's been um really enjoyable I, i'm a little curious though okay i understand you're giving us the hook here soon but um I, i'm curious if if how many of the rest of you have found the word delight sort of entering into your lexicon a whole lot more lately right um, I encourage you to do that as well. It, it's um, something that we have tried to really approach Sabbath with is delight. And so whatever we can sort of, um, and I know that's one of the three focuses, right? Stop, you know, and, and delight, etc. cetera. Um, but one of the things that we feel like is really important, um, as Nicole said, is to really lay a foundation and a legacy for our sons. We want them to um, enter into this with us and to feel like that it's part of them. I like that they delight it and that they feel a little undone without it, right? So with that, I will.
4: So delight, it's its a wonderful opportunity for us to even be, have permission to value delight. I think that's not something that we're encouraged to do and encouraged in the church. Like it's a, it's of Jesus to have delight and to delight in Him. And so I think the questions has been fun. I've been like, well, what brings us delight? You know. So like last week, I bought fortune cookies for my kids because I knew they liked fortune cookies and they never expect it. But then I served it on Wednesday dinner and they were like, wow, you know. And I was just like so delighted to be able to provide that special little moment, but but not just for delight's sake that Jesus invites us to to the gift of delight in our lives. And so a couple of the things, like, Sean and I were on a date, and I love cream puffs. And so we went to an Asian market and bought really good cream puffs there. And it was just so delightful. And so one of those things is just, again, trying to, what is it that brings us delight? Last week, my kid asked to take a bath. And we don't ever take baths because it wastes water. But I was like, you know what? go for it. Do it on the Sabbath. And so it's one of those kind of fun things for them, fun things for us. But again, not just to have delight like in the world sense, but also recognizing that God gives us that gift and that gift in the midst of a trouble trying world. And that to, as those moments come up in the week, I think that's been a big shift. To be like, thank you, Jesus, for delight. Thank you for your gift, your presence, and that you want us to have a joyous time on this earth. And so I think that's been a big shift. I think in the future we're looking for bike rides and hikes and kayak trips and just fun things with our kids because they're 8 and 10 boys, you know. Um, It's been harder for us individually to be like, oh, let's go have a quiet time, you know. (laughs) Let's have a meditative prayer time separately. (laughs) That's not our Sabbath right now. I'm not sure if that's yours, but that's OK. Because for us, it's really valuable to be able to play and spend time with our children and with each other, and with you. So lucky you. Um, I think one of the things that the images that I had, I'm almost done, Scott, is that uh, the, when, in Finding Nemo, this is not what you expected, that do you remember that, if any of you saw that, the East Australian Current Right? And that's like a moment in that movie where Nemo's just struggling to get where he needs to go, the little fish, for those of you who haven't seen it. Uh, and the turtles are in this eastern Australian current. They're like, get in, dude. Come on. The water's great. You know, And he hops in the current, and all of a sudden, he's just taken. He's just taken to, uh, down the current, and he doesn't have to struggle anymore. He doesn't have to work so hard to get where he's going. He has a fun time. And I think Sabbath is like that. I think it's once we let ourselves just get in and relax, there's nothing you have to do. Like if Nemo was just trying to do the backstroke or the, the freestyle, that wouldn't have mattered. You know, it's just get in, be a part of what God's doing. And I think that is a part of the week as we've been doing this. A shift for us is seeing that just relax and be in God's current, that not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And so to really just enter into that. So, on that note, Scott, it's your turn.
0: <laughs> I feel like I wasn't even, like, tapping my foot or anything <laughs> up there, but that's all right. That's right. You guys did fantastic. Thank you for sharing. I mean, honestly, you guys know it's No one likes to get up front and, and have to share, but I appreciate your willingness, Coles and Mitts, to be able to do that. And, and honestly, I think and this will be the end of the Sabbath talk, because I got, honestly, like... A Ten pages of notes, I'm kidding, not that much. But just the idea that, um, is that it doesn't stop now. Like just because we practiced this for four weeks, it's, there's still things to learn, ways to grow, ways to engage in it. And if you're kind of coming in at the tail end of all of this, that, like it doesn't mean you can't start right now. In fact, on, like on our website, if you go to the next steps drop down, you'll find the Sabbath practice page. And everything that we've done over the last four weeks is in there. And you can find a friend. You can find a, another set of friends and, and walk through this exact same thing together. And if you need any help kind of navigating that, just let me or Mitchell or Olivia or Olivia know. And we will we'll point you in the right direction and help you walk through that. Now... I just got back from uh, Togo in Africa, which is in West Africa. Just so you know, I just got back on, on Friday night, late Friday night. I'm still uh, trying to catch up on my sleep. In fact, I hope that I don't fall asleep during my own sermon today. Just so if any of you do, you have no great excuse, I will be calling you out this morning. But um, I just wanted to thank you for those of you that were praying for me in this time. It, it was a fantastic opportunity to see what God is doing in a different part of the world. I had never been to, to West Africa, but it is a very different even part of, of Africa compared to, the, to, compared to Rwanda and, and some of the other countries that we have been in. And, and even just the way that, that the gospel is moving and what the Lord is doing in and through his church and in and through his followers in that space is significant. So it felt like an honor and a privilege to be able to meet and interact with some, some men and, and women who are, who are engaging in gospel work in places where it's just not that easy. Um, And to be able to support them and to encourage them and to to become, honestly, to become friends with them, it was was a great opportunity. And and so thank you for praying about that. If you wanted to hear more about any of that, please don't hesitate to reach out to me. And um, I'd love to share more about that as well. But um, it did take me about 33 hours to get home. And that, to be honest, that's kind of just standard, right? I mean, if you're lucky, we might be able to get home in about 24 hours. But if you're going to take the cheap flights, you end up, it takes about 30 to 33 hours to get home. And so it was it was a, a little bit of, of an adventure, a lot of hanging out at the airport, a lot of long flights. But what I determined in this travel home this time is that if you were looking for an evaluative tool to determine, like... Your formative or your formation in Christ-likeness, a 32-hour flight or 32 hours of travel is, is one way to do that. I, what I determined is that I'm, I'm fine with like being on a plane for that long. I'm actually fine with like the, the lack of sleep. I don't sleep great in there. What I found this time was what was determining, Like I guess I was trying to think about how am I as a Jesus follower? It was my neighbor. Like, I, I had, like, two two neighbors that, that decided that the armrest was all theirs, and that they also wanted, like, three more inches on the other side of that, and so I spent, like, half of the flight, like, most of the flight just kind of pressed over to one side and come home with, like, my back kind of hurting and my neck kind of kinked and, and kind of feeling, like, attitudes and, and judgments towards them that I thought, well, maybe I should kind of grow in formation in, in Christlikeness and and so I would recommend that to any of you if you want to just kind of get a, a baseline of how you're doing. Like get on a 32 hour trip and, and just see how that goes. But this leads us into where we're going this morning as we begin a new series in um, the letter that Paul wrote to followers of Jesus in Philippi. It's in our Bible, we call it Philippians, and it's one of many letters written by Paul that we find in the New Testament. And so you might be asking today, like, so why are we starting a series in Philippians? Like, why Philippians and, and why now? And honestly, as we step into this series in Philippians, it's it's simply because or we simply are entering into it with the same desires and the same purposes that Paul had in his writing of it to those who were following Jesus in Philippi. And here's what I really think it comes down to is that is that Paul desired that those people, that they would have minds that know Jesus, that they would have hearts that love Jesus, and that they would have lives that... That follow Jesus. And we're going to see that throughout this, this letter, um, that this is kind of the, the heart of it, the heart of what he is wanting. And honestly, that's the heart of what we are desiring as, as a church and as a, as a family, that we would have minds that are, that are thinking on it and growing towards Christ- Christ-likeness, hearts that are loving Jesus and lives that are, that are following him. Now, before we dive into this letter, let me just give you a little bit of, of context And we'll continue to add context as we go throughout this. We're going to spend about 10 weeks, kind of up until until May, until we start talking about prayer, we're going to be looking at, at this letter that Paul wrote to the Philippians. Now, as I said, it's written by Paul. And as we'll see throughout the letter, it's clear that Paul was in prison when he wrote this letter. And it's likely that this prison was kind of like... Being under house arrest, it, it's probably a different prison experience than, than Paul faced at the end of his life, um, but it was prison nonetheless. And he was sending this letter to a church. It really, it was just this gathering of, of Jesus followers who lived in in Philippi. Now, Paul he knew and had, he knew these people. He actually had met them and he was actually the one that brought the gospel, the story of Jesus to the, to the women and to the men in Philippi that formed this gathering, this group of people that started to follow Jesus together. And so they, knowing that Paul was, was in prison and, and that knowing that when people are in prison, they're kind of responsible for their own food, for their own support. Like They, they, aren't, they weren't bringing Paul three square meals a day in prison, so he needed help and so the church in Philippi, this gathering of Jesus' followers there, they sent a man named Epaphroditus to, to bring this loving support to Paul. And so Paul's response, once receiving this loving support from his friends, friends and family in Philippi, was to, was to send back a letter to them with Epaphroditus. And so he sends that letter to this, to this group that's living in, in Philippi. Now the last piece of context for us to understand is that Philippi was a Roman colony. Okay, So it means that it, it's now in, in present-day Greece. And as a Roman colony, they certainly enjoyed some, some privileges. Like there were some good things that came with being a, a Roman colony. And, and it was actually considered an extension of, of Rome itself. But it was also expected to, to show loyalty to Rome. And in, show loyally, in showing loyalty to Rome, they were expected to show loyalty to its emperor, to show loyalty to its king and that's maybe where the, the challenge that the Philippians would face is that Jesus was their king, and they were going to be asked to, to submit loyally to another king. So this morning, I'm, I'm going to read to you from Philippians chapter 1, and if you have a Bible, you can open up to there. We're going to look at the first 11 verses, and, and as you're flipping there, if you're willing and able, I would invite, invite you to stand with me as I read from Philippians chapter 1 this morning. There it says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you and all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You can have a seat. So as we start into this this letter, it's, it's important for us to recognize that this was a real letter right it was a real letter written by Paul maybe he didn't like literally use his own hand maybe some scribe was writing it for him but it was a real letter written to to real people and and similar to i don't know if you remember taking like like letter writing lessons in elementary school like when they were teaching us how to write letters you know the salutation the body and the kind of the end there and and there was a similar like Um, format or structure for these uh, Greco-Roman this period of time when Paul would be writing this letter and he was following that where again it has kind of an opening section a a body and then a, a closing section but the, the opening wasn't just like Dear Philippi, right? It was, it was actually like this, this three-part introduction, this three-part opening where he names both the, the sender and then the recipients. And then he goes on to, to kind of give just some thanksgiving and, and some, some greeting. And then at the end of this opening, he, he ends it with a prayer. And so I, we just read that, and we just probably saw all three of those things where Paul introduces himself and says who the letter is going to. He talks about what he's thankful for, how much he cares and loves for the, the church at, at Philippi. And then at the end, he, he wraps it all up, this introduction, this opening part of his letter with, with a prayer. But he begins by introducing himself, who's, he, who it is that was sending this letter. He says, this is a letter from, from Paul and Timothy. Now Timothy was kind of Paul's like second in second in command, his his own kind of disciple, one who was learning under Paul. And and while we see both of their names written here, it's it's likely that it was probably just Paul that that wrote the letter, but it was both of them that were kind of sending it to this church. Because this this church was was well known to to Timothy, these were some of his some of his people. But we see in, in the writing of this letter that there's a lot of I, like Paul's talking about I and, and me, and so the It's likely that the letter was just simply from Paul, but Timothy was included. But when he introduces them, he introduces them this way. He says, Paul and Timothy, a servant of Christ Jesus. Now, the the translation of of servant is is better translated for us as as slaves. Now, slavery in in the context of of our history is, is filled with dark images, degrading images of injustice and and racism. Um, for Paul, in his context, it, those it, they didn't carry all the same overtones that we would place on the word slavery that, that it does for Paul. For us, it feels incongruent to talk about being a maybe a slave of Christ, knowing in, in the, our, the history of our own country what slavery looked like. But slavery in, in Paul's context had a different look. It had a different feel. It had a different purpose. And it was approached in, in different ways. It doesn't make it all, all right or good or lovely and, and perfect. There was certainly injustice in that as well. But, but in Paul using this to describe himself, he was being very intentional about it. He had something that he wanted to communicate to those who were reading this letter that he would say, call himself a servant and, and a slave of, of Christ Jesus. He had the, 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 the need to communicate that he was submitted to Christ Jesus. That he and Timothy were committed to Christ Jesus. And that both of them together were like trying to be humble and having humility and being obedient to Christ Jesus. And maybe the question we would ask is, is why? Like why would they, they, would they choose to use this language and, and choose to communicate these things of being committed, submitted, and obedient? Well, it goes back to what I was talking about just a little bit ago whereas because Jesus was their king. Jesus was the one that they were submitting, committing in their life to and wanting to walk obediently behind. I want you to notice something as, as you read through this letter that Paul wrote that, that every time Paul uses Jesus' name, he never just leaves it as, as just Jesus. Sometimes when we're talking about uh, you know the gospel or we're talking about Jesus, we just kind of call him Jesus, right? It's who he is. It's, it was his name. But Paul just never says Jesus in here. He always says, Christ Jesus, or Jesus Christ, our Lord. And there's significance in that. that the word Christ, and, and in Greek, it's, it's Christos, and it's, it's the, the word Messiah, or the anointed one, or the king that is translated there. There's a, a version of the New Testament that was written by N.T. Wright, a, a New Testament scholar, and it's called the, the Kingdom New Testament. And every time N.T. Wright comes across the word Christ in, in his, in, as he's translating the, the New Testament into English, he always puts King Jesus. And so here when it says Paul and Timothy, a servant of King Jesus... So as you read through Paul's letter and as we read through this letter together over the next 10 weeks, let me encourage you to do something. Maybe take note of that. Every time you come across it where it says Christ or Christ Jesus, replace the Christ with with King or, or King Jesus. Maybe you even underline or put a little box around it. And then consider, like, how does that change things? How does that change how I understand what Paul was saying here? How does that change how I understand what what is being said to me when I change it from just simply being Jesus Christ to King Jesus? Because I think you'll notice that there will be a a significant change in in what that means. and, And you'll have plenty of practice because like Christ, the word Christ is used very often in this letter that Paul wrote to those who are following Jesus in Philippi. Now after he introduces himself, Paul offers this this brief kind of greeting, right? Where he he kind of expresses gratitude and and finishes with a prayer. And in that, in that greeting, Paul kind of seems to be laying out this this path or this this outline for where he's gonna go in his letter. And and there's all sorts of things that he that he lists in there that, that were significant. Things like joy, things like partnership or sharing life, things like the gospel and the return of Christ. Things like gratitude for the Philippians or even talking about his own imprisonment. Things like affection and love. Things like discernment and holiness. Things like the glory of God. He, he's kind of laying out. These are all things that we will see and, and read about as we read Paul's letter to the Philippians. But, but he wasn't writing these things out and list these, listing these things out as, as simply as, as an outline for them to follow. What Paul was doing in this moment at the beginning of his letter and his introduction to this this family of followers who he loves and cares about is he was bringing them back to the bigger story, bringing them back to the story he's telling in this letter, the Jesus story. And the Jesus story specifically is is what we'll find in in chapter 2 of this letter, which we'll get to in a few weeks, where where one of probably the most well-known passages in this letter to the Philippians is found, and it's often referred to as, as the Christ hymn or, or the Christ poem. But, but for Paul, as, as he writes this letter and for us, as we read this letter and kind of understand what Jesus is speaking to us in, over the next 10 weeks, like this passage is going to be the heartbeat of the letter. It's going to be one that we want to understand and we want one that we want to maybe even commit to memory. In fact, I'm going to invite you to join me over the next 10 weeks to commit this passage of Scripture to memory and, and to be able to just to carry this with us day to day. And this is, this is the passage is found in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11, where it says this. Paul says, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ, the King Jesus, is Lord to the glory of God the Father. See, and, and here's what we'll discover as we make our way through this letter, as we and as we do that, looking through the the lens or the light of of this Christ hymn, of this Christ poem. When we read this letter through the light or through the lens of that, we'll see that that every part of what Paul is writing is either pointing back to the story of Jesus or it's pointing towards the Jesus story and our participation in it. Like our participation in, in Jesus' story in our own lives as we seek to and as we attempt to and as we trust in him to be able to live out the Jesus story in our own story. So, like I said, I want to invite you over the next 10 weeks to begin to to memorize that those six verses, Philippians 2, 5 through 11. We'll, I'm sure we'll put it on our newsletter and set it on social media, but it wouldn't be that hard for you to, to find it on your phone, to print it out on a card, to put it as a as your lock screen or whatever, and just begin to work your way through it. It'll take some time, I mean, especially if we haven't practiced memorizing scripture, it takes time to, to get these things set in our heart and in our soul, but but we're going to keep coming back to it week after week throughout this series because it is the, the heartbeat of what Paul is, is saying and, and pointing these followers of Jesus to and reminding them of. Now, Paul, in this letter, at the beginning of this letter, in this opening section of this letter, he, he ends it with a short prayer. And in it, he prays for, for three things. And, and those three things, they actually they express the desire that Paul has for them. And it really, they, they express in more words his purpose for this letter. And there's, these are the three things. that One, that their love will overflow in knowledge and wisdom. And this happens not just simply through study or just simply through trying to gain more knowledge, but it actually comes through experience. It actually comes through experience and relationship with Jesus as we engage with, with the, the resurrected Christ, King Jesus, in, in our own lives. We begin to learn more and understand him. We grow in both wisdom and knowledge through our experience in living with and, and living through Jesus. And that's his desire, that their love will overflow in knowledge and in wisdom. And then the second thing he prays for is that this wise love, it will lead to discernment. Like lead to, to making decisions, wise decisions, not just simply like what is right and, and what is wrong, but actually he talks about actually knowing and understanding and choosing what is best. Just this morning I was reading in, in Luke chapter 10, I think it is, where, where Jesus is coming into a village and, and Mary and Martha live in this village. And, and I think Martha sees Jesus and invites him to come into her house. And, and because she does, like, there's all sorts of work starts to need needs to be done. And so Martha just goes to work preparing a meal and getting everything ready, cleaning all the stuff. And, and it says that Mary just sits at the feet of Jesus and, and listens to him. And Martha comes to Jesus and she says, Lord, don't you see that I have all this stuff to do and, and my sister's just being lazy, not doing anything. Tell her to help me. And Jesus replies to Martha. He says, Martha, Martha, you know, Mary has chosen what is best. And it will not be taken from her. You see, that nothing that was done in, in that room or in that house that day was, was wrong. Like, the, like Martha caring for her guests wasn't, wasn't wrong, but it wasn't Best, You see, what Paul is hoping for, the people that would read this letter, is that they would learn to discern not just simply between right and wrong, but between what is best and knowing what is best. And all of this would then lead to the third thing he would pray is that they would bear the fruit of right living. And this is more than just holy living or, or moral perfection or being like a, a, a perfect person. This is, is actually more about following Jesus and allowing his presence to be in us, that their lives would be actually formed into the image of Christ himself, where they would be bearing the fruit of his life in theirs. You see, all of this was, was Paul's desire for them, like we talked about at the beginning, that they would have minds that would know Jesus, hearts that would love Jesus and then all of this would would actually just form naturally within them to have lives that would that would follow Jesus. Dallas Willard he captures all of this really well in his book The Divine Conspiracy where where he says this. I think I have a slide. If not, oh there it is. Perfect. Thank you. He says Jesus calls us to him to impart himself to us. He does not call us to do what he did, but to be who he was, permeated with love. Then the doing of what he said and did becomes the natural expression of who we are in him. Let me invite the the worship team to come up. And and as they do, we're going to close by um, in a moment I'm going to invite you to to stand with me, and, and we're going to close um, by looking at this prayer um, that Paul prayed for the Philippians. And we're going to look at it in the, the New Living Translation. What we, I showed you already today was in the, the NIV, but here's what, here's what he says, and just in a different version, and, and he says, I pray that your love will overflow more and more, and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ, for this will bring much glory and praise to God. Would you stand with me? As we enter into just a a time of, of worship to kind of in this part of, of our service, I, I want to in, invite you to, if you're interested, um, to do something maybe a little bit different. And that is, if you would like, I would, would love to, to pray this prayer over you. Now, I could do that as as a whole. I could just raise my hand and just pray over all of you. But I kind of just did as, as I read it. But maybe this morning, as you're here this morning, you're like, I, I need that prayed like I need someone to pray with me. I need someone to pray that with me this morning. Uh, last week, when I, or four days ago, when I was still in Togo, at the end of the our time there, I was I was um, getting ready to to leave and and saying goodbye to some of the guys. And one of the pastors there, his name was Matthias. He was, I watched him pray on Sunday. I watched him pray for someone who needed healing, and he and he placed his hand on this woman's head, and he just. I could just tell by the way, I couldn't even hear the words he was saying, but just by the look on his face and the intensity with which he prayed, that I just could tell that this was a man who could pray. And not that it requires any special favor or function to be able to do that. He was just praying in faith. And I thought, man, I, I want that. I need that. I need someone to pray for me like, like Matthias is praying for that woman. But to be honest, I, I'm just like the rest of you. I, I don't like to be in awkward spaces. A month ago, I was at a, at a conference with a bunch of pastors. And at the end of the conference, they, they just offered prayer for anybody that needed it. It wasn't even like you had to come up and confess anything crazy. You just, you just come and they would pray for you. And, and I thought, you know, I need that, but I just feel awkward. I don't want to, I just, I, for whatever reason, and you could probably relate, I decided not to do it. But last week, when I was with Matthias, I was like, I, I can't not and so I, I just, as we were leaving, he, he came up to me, and he's, he, they all kind of did this. They wanted contact information. They wanted my WhatsApp. They wanted my email. And so I, I said, Matthias, I will give you this for a trade. I will give you this if you will pray for me before we leave today. And so he just grabbed me by the hand and put his arm on my shoulder, and, and he prayed some of the most powerful words I've had prayed over me, but they were very similar to what Paul prayed for the people in Philippi. And so this morning, as, as our team leads us in worship, I, I'm going to be just in the back. There's plenty of space now, and it's in the back, which is fantastic. And, and I have a, a friend, Nancy Dunbar, who's going to be back there with me. And, and if you would like someone to pray this over you, just simply to read these words in, in faith over you, just make your way back. And it won't take long. If you had something else you need prayed for, you can let me know that as well. But um, I just want to open up that invitation to you this morning, and you can do with it whatever you like. Let me pray and then we'll we'll conclude that together. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this family and your presence in it, Lord. We just thank you that you would invite us to follow your son, Jesus, and that you've equipped us with everything we need need to be able to do that. And so we just ask and pray for strength today. We ask and pray for your presence. We ask and pray that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit, that our lives would be shaped into the image of, of your son, Jesus, that as we walk these lives and in this story, in this in these places and spaces where we find ourselves, we would continue to look more and more like your son and continue to do more and more of the things that he did here on earth. God, we know that we can't do that on our own. We need you. And so we ask for that this morning. Your help, your blessing, your anointing, your favor, and your grace. In Jesus' name we pray.